evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. Great to be here. As always, we got two left in the playoffs, in the NFL season, two to duke it out the same way they did four years ago, the San Francisco 49ers out of the NFC, the Kansas City Chiefs out of the AFC. I was one half correct on my preseason pick. I said Kansas City would get to and win the Super Bowl before the season. I said San Francisco would ironically lose to Detroit before the season. They are in the Super Bowl. Uh, I did pick both to win on Friday's show, so very excited about that. Fantastic show plan ahead. Obviously going to talk some Lions. Uh, I'm going to defend Dan Campbell on the fourth down stuff. Uh, that everybody, there's a lot of revisionist history going on with Dan Campbell that I don't like at all. I don't like inconsistencies. Going to get into Dan Campbell later in the show in about 40 minutes uh, or 35 minutes or so, uh, more like. Also going to get into the Baltimore Ravens. And listen, we got to be honest about Lamar. That's my guy. I love Lamar Jackson. He was a Steelers fan. And about the Ravens who kind of crumbled under pressure. Also, a criticism of Brock Purdy we can now no longer levy against him. Uh, and that's, you, you just can't anymore. I'll detail that in about 15 minutes or so. Devin Nettles from the At The Bank podcast here at The Grid Network. He does a Ravens show as well as the My Thoughts, My Opinion podcast also at The Grid Network, more of a general sports show. Listen, De Devin has gone through a tough 24 hours, uh, but he's kind enough to be able to stop by in about 45 minutes or so. So very excited to have him on and get his thoughts on the Ravens as well as the rest of the National Football League. So we've got all that and a lot more also. That Steph and LeBron performance on Saturday night, as awesome as that was, and I'll detail how awesome it was, that was a bad look for Joel Embiid. And I'll explain why at the top of the next hour. But first, well, 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 the dynasty reigns supreme. The Kansas City Chiefs are in their fourth Super Bowl in the last five years and looking for their third Super Bowl in the third Super Bowl title. In that span, by virtue of a 17-10 to 10 defensive battle against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Happened to be the first AFC Championship game that the Ravens have ever hosted. More on Baltimore later because there are a lot of layers and aspects as to why they lost. And, and, and parts of it that just were, in some cases, mind-boggling. And in other cases, was like, okay, that actually makes sense when you add the context to it. For Kansas City, this is... The weakest they've ever been, certainly the opposite side of the ball, in the Mahomes era. I don't think that's even arguable. This is Mahomes' worst year statistically, which I'll take 27 touchdowns, 14 picks as my down year. The 14 picks ain't great, but I'd say half of those, not exactly, but about half of those probably came off Kadarius Tony drops. But the point is, the offense didn't look explosive. Kelsey didn't look healthy after that Vikings game. Uh, you had the drops by Tony, the drops by Valdez Scantling, who ended up making the catch to send them to the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter. Uh, you had some inconsistencies, some injuries on the offensive line. Pacheco was dealing with, with some injuries here and there, and it just looked like the Kansas City Chiefs were pretty vulnerable. And, I mean, they were. I mean, it's it's not, it's the first time they've had to go on the road in the Mahomes era. Yes, they hosted Miami, and while... You had the fringes thinking that Miami Dolphins, who can't play in under 70-degree weather, could actually go on the road, play the fourth, play in the fourth coldest game ever, go to Kansas City and win. That was obviously ridiculous. And that's my favorite bet of the year, if I were a bet man, as the segment goes on Fridays. Kansas City took care of business. But, oh, here come the Buffalo Bills' six-game winning streak, and Josh Allen might just be on Patrick Mahomes' level. And Mahomes, for the third time in the playoffs, beat Josh Allen and outplayed Josh Allen, particularly in the fourth quarter. You also maintain, or you talk about yesterday, the best team in football I still maintain coming in. 
The MVP of the league, Lamar Jackson, having the best season of his career, the best weapons of his career, adding Odell Beckham Jr., who was nowhere to be found, Zay Flowers, who was a lot of boy, a lot of places to be found, just in the wrong, wrong areas. Best defensive football, John Harbaugh. Didn't blink. Didn't blink. Look like a team that's been there a million times. And this whole, this is why I talked about all season long. This is why I never at the lowest points of the Kansas City Chiefs season, never sold stock in them as my pick to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Why? Well, let's see. It's the best defense in the Mahomes era. Top three defense in all of football along with Baltimore and San Francisco in my mind. And by the way, they just happen to have this guy, Andy Reid. Maybe you've heard of him. He's been to multiple conference championship, championship games without Patrick Mahomes. Been to a Super Bowl. Had success with McNabb and Alex Smith. Now he gets the best quarterback ever, not greatest, big difference. And you see he's back in another Super Bowl and six straight conference title games to add to it as, as, as a bonus or how they got there, obviously. They also happen to have undoubtedly the greatest tight end of all time in Travis Kelsey, who just passed Jerry Rice yesterday. You know, I heard he was a good player. I, listen, I wasn't around for Jerry Rice. I was born in 03, never saw Jerry Rice, uh, but I've read the record books. He, he, was, he was all right. Well, Kelsey just passed him in all-time playoff catches. And they have this guy, maybe you've heard of him, who's a win away two Sundays from now from passing Peyton Manning and becoming the third greatest quarterback in the history of the game of football. I'll detail that argument more next week as we lead up to the Super Bowl, but Mahomes is going to pass Peyton with a title. He just is. I'll detail that more next week. But as far as the Mahomes-Kelsey connection, let's talk about that briefly. Because Kelsey was washed. Ah, Taylor Swift is this big distraction. Oh my God, the Swifties are, are just going to be too much for Travis. Really? Let's look at their playoff numbers, all Mahomes and Kelsey. Seem like they've been doing this together for a long time. Ooh. Oh, wow, that's unbelievable. Mahomes throwing to Kelsey this postseason. He's 23 of 27. That's, by the way, uh, doing the math quickly, 85.2 completion percentage. That'll work. That's well above league average. Three touchdowns, no picks. And a passer rating of 144 when Mahomes is throwing to Kelsey. Doesn't that remind you of a lot of those Brady Patriot teams with limited receiving cores? Same could be said about Kansas City. Marquez Valdez scaling, eh. Upcoming receiver Rasheed Rice, who we like, but still not quite there yet. Not developed. He's a kid. He's a rookie. He'll get better. Uh, you know, Sky Moore, eh. You know, Justin Watson, eh. Kind of like Brady in New England. Amadola, eh. I remember one Super Bowl, it was Malcolm Mitchell. Eh. But you had Brady, you had Gronk. Yes, they had Julian Edelman, who was great in the playoffs, but it was, by and large, it was number 12, and it was number 87 in New England. And in Kansas City, it's number 15 and number 87. As for Mahomes, he now ha is putting together a resume that doesn't even make sense. So, another big reason I believed in the Chiefs, obviously... They have the best head coach and best quarterback and best tight end in the league. My guess is they were probably going to figure out the whole offense thing. Is that Patrick Mahomes, through six years as a starter, he's amazing in the regular season. And he somehow gets better in the playoffs. We could show you the numbers right here. Regular season to postseason. Regular season, he goes from winning 77.1% of his games 
28, uh, we'll say it this way. He wins about 77% of his games the regular season. Playoffs wins about 82%. And you see right there, 14 wins. That's tied for third all-time with Mr. Peyton Manning and others. He goes from 316 yards per game. That dips a little to 309 yards per game. But by the way, that's first all-time in the playoffs. Win percentage is first all-time yards per game is first all-time in the postseason. His touchdown-interception ratio, I'm not going to bore you with the numbers. It's about 3.5 to 1, which is really good. He ups it to 13, 39 to 7, which is better than 5 to 1. He goes from a 103 pass rating, which is excellent, to a 106 pass rating, which is even better. And then he goes from a 66% completion percentage, 66 and a half, to 67 and a half. And again, all of those numbers, look at the playoffs down there. 14 playoff wins, that's tied for third all time. Every single number, win percentage, yards per game, touchdown interception ratio, passer rating, and completion percentage. First all-time in the history of the National Football League. Like, it, it's, you, it, listen, he's not Brady. I'm, I've heard some people today call him the greatest quarterback. He's not there yet. It's a it's going to be a long, long way to catch Brady. But it isn't possible <laughs> at this pace with that coach, with that tight end, with now this defense who outside of Chris Jones, they're not paying anything. Like in that department, we got to give a ton of credit to Brett Veach. Everybody, myself included, ripped the Chiefs for trading maybe the best receiver in football, Tyree Kill. And he turns into a defense that is shutting some of the best offenses of football down. This is what Kansas City's done all season defensively. And offensively, can we finally acknowledge, folks, dynasties flip a switch in the playoffs. Golden State did all those years when they have down regular seasons relative to the talent they had. I said that as a Warriors fan. The Patriots, remember that that one year, 2018? Like, this Chiefs team reminds me a lot of that 2018 Patriots team, although not as old as that team was, where they kind of sputtered at the end of the regular season. That Patriots team was not good on the road, under 500. But you got Brady. You got Bill, who's been there before. You got Gronk. You got an amazing defense. And you got opportunistic receivers with your great quarterback. And you're just going to make a few more plays and a few less mistakes than the opposition and somehow going to find a way to win these games. Because that's what smart organizations do. That's what smart quarterbacks, coaches, and skill position groups and defenses do. That's Kansas City. It's a different version of them. But I said that back in week 14, week 15 rather, when they played the New England Patriots. And I don't know, it, it's probably because they were playing the Patriots. It was like I was watching that game. I was like, bingo. It's like Eureka. That This Kansas City team is like those Brady teams. Awesome quarterback. Great coach who specializes on one side of the ball. Great defense, great tight end, not quite his true self, although he can't tell in these playoffs. Kelsey's been amazing. And just better situationally. Been there, done that. Moment's not too big for them. That's Kansas City. They're almost reflecting the New England Patriots back in the day. Shout out to the Chiefs. And I know everybody today is just, uh, is just, is just heartbroken and devastated and beside themselves. Oh, my gosh. The NFL uh, rewrote the script so Taylor Swift could be in the Super Bowl. They they rigged it so Taylor Swift could be in the Super Bowl. That's funny. There was a quarterback who's thankfully, I think, getting better health-wise um, that said that there was a weird conspiracy with the logo of the Super Bowl and how they wanted a purple team, presumably from the AFC, and a and a red team, a red-ish team, scarlet-ish from the NFC, and it would kind of make the colors look good because that's how it's been in past Super Bowls. It's weird. That conspiracy just, just, just poof, went, just disappeared, went away. Bye. I don't know. Found it odd. Found it odd. 
you know, the NFL didn't do a terribly good job writing that script. If that was the case, maybe you could learn a thing or two from the WWE people. I don't know. Just found that odd. This is what dynasties do. You can get tired of it. That's fine. But I like watching dominance. I like watching teams make history. And I like watching the best quarterback we've ever seen in our lifetimes. He's not the greatest. There's a big difference. But that guy in Kansas City can do things we simply have not seen others do. And was he amazing yesterday? He wasn't amazing, but he was amazing when he had to be. Some of those plays, getting in and out of sacks, some of those throw the throw to Kelsey on that first drive for the touchdown, my, I don't think there's a quarterback in the league that can make that throw. Not Allen, not Lamar, not Burrow, n- none of them. Insane. Like it's, I've always maintained, then I'll move on to Baltimore, I've always maintained that, obviously Mahomes is the best quarterback, we all generally agree, but then Burrow, not saying he's close to Mahomes, but Burrow's sort of in a similar tier where doesn't really matter what you put around him, he could take you over the top. It's and, and I love Burrow. I still think Burrow's the second best quarterback in the league. But man, it is. It, I've said it's Mahomes' league, and we're all just living in it. Tier one of quarterbacks, it's tier one Patrick Mahomes, and then you go to tier two. It's it's this level of dominance is unlike anything we've ever seen through the first six years of a guy's career. I'm not saying he's going to pass Brady. I'm saying there's a realistic shot he could. And with the win on Sunday, my book, he passes my man, Peyton Manning, as the fourth greatest quarterback. Sorry, the third greatest quarterback in the history of the sport. Shout out to Mahomes. Shout out to Reed. Shout out to Kelsey. Shout out to the Kansas City Chiefs. And yes, to the Swifties. Shout out to everybody. It's a defensive battle. We did, you know, listen, I saw a lot of scores where it was like, Chiefs or Ravens, 31-28. I'm like, there is no way both defenses are going to give up that kind of offensive explosion. For Baltimore, so the number one seed, the team that was universally agreed upon, at least the way I perceived it, and I was one of those who put it in this category, of the Ravens being the best team in football after they got that win on Christmas Day against San Francisco. And it's not just they beat San Francisco, it's that they literally pushed the 49ers around. Like that was, the Niners had lost, we'll get more on them later. The Niners had had that three-game losing streak where I had started questions about Purdy. They were getting pushed around. If not for a missed field goal, they beat Cleveland. And there was a couple plays with Minnesota. Purdy was concussed. And then they had, listen, Burrow's just better than Purdy. They lost to the Bengals at home. They were getting pushed around. Ravens came and absolutely smacked them in the face and then punched them. It was unbelievable. They said, we're going to punch you, and then they punched them in the face, and that's what it was. Meanwhile, they put up 10 points in the playoff game. Now, listen, as a Steelers fan, I'm not exactly heartbroken about this, but in general, let's start with the team as a whole because I think that transitions me into Lamar. So... What you saw out of the Baltimore Ravens yesterday is what you see out of a lot of these teams. I talked about the Kansas City Chiefs can flip a switch in the playoffs like every dynasty ever. How many times do we see this where the presumed best team in the league, number one seed, great defense, best record in all of football or in all sports, whatever example you want to use, once they get hit, not even just hit with adversity, once they get hit with the immediate first punch of a, of a champion and they start pressing. And then when they start pressing and it's not working, they start to panic, they start to make mistakes, and it, it just costs them at the end. I wrote it down. 
I wrote it down quarter by quarter. First quarter, I, I don't think there was any major mistakes by Baltimore. Um, but even pregame, Justin Tucker trying to kick on Mahomes and Kelsey's side. Like, is that really the team you'll be poking? You know, you're playing like the the Dylan Brooks role a little bit. Listen, Justin Tucker is is one of the best, if not the best kicker of all time. But you sure that's the bear you want to poke? You know, greatest quarterback tight end combo ever. That's the one you, you want to poke? Are you sure about that? So pregame, already made a mistake. First quarter, didn't see any mistakes by the Ravens. Second quarter, Lamar strip sack. Just didn't see the guy coming from his blind side. Karloff just recovered and strip sack by Lamar. Okay, there's one mistake. Second mistake, on the last drive for Kansas City before half. Now, this is a big drive here, okay, because at this point, it's 14-7 Chiefs. There's about two minutes to go, and the Chiefs are backed up. Where are they out on their side of the field? The Chiefs are backed up at their own 11, so back deep in their own territory. And it's like, okay, if we can get a stop, maybe we can get the ball back, get a field goal. I'm talking about from the Ravens' perspective. Or worst-case scenario, we're down 14-7 the half. We're still within a score. We feel good about ourselves. Let's go get them in the second half. After the first play, Kyle Van Noy, a veteran of all guys, comes in, just shoves Travis Kelsey because Kelsey's getting into it with one of the other Ravens players, gets a 15-yard penalty, just hands the Kansas City Chiefs 15 yards. Then, almost immediately later, you have the roughing the passer on Clowney, who... I don't know if he was trying to take Mahomes' head off, but that has got to be, oftentimes the way roughing the passer is called today, there's a lot of, man, the NFL soft. You knew it was a roughing the passer when the fans of Baltimore were booing when the refs made the call, and then they showed the replay, and they went silent. It's like, yeah, that's roughing. Yeah, he like just slapped, just just clubbed Mahomes in the dome. Okay, I just, just try to, like, what, that ain't even, that's not even a football move. What are you doing? Gave him an extra 15 yards, and guess what? The Chiefs got a field goal, and in a game that felt like that was a 10-point game for most of the second half, that not, did not, not loom large for the Ravens. My guess is probably did. So that's the second quarter. Third quarter might have been the worst. Lamar hits Zay Flowers on a bomb, gets tackled at the seven-yard line, and then he gets hit with taunting. Now, for the record, I'm the guy, I think like a lot of people, I think I'm in the majority uh, on this, where... Taunting, my thing is they don't taunt enough. Like I, I'm like, man, talk your your you talk your you know what? This is football. This is a this is an alpha dog game. This is a professional sport. You have the right if you make a great play on somebody to let them know about it. Ninety eight percent of the time, like I saw a tweet by Joe Burrow, let the guys taunt. I agree with that. Like 99 percent of the time. But in this instance, Zay Flowers makes the catch. Zay Flowers, tremendous young receiver for the Ravens, great future ahead of him. But he gets up, shoves Legereus Sneed to the ground, tosses the football on him, and is talking to him. It's like, bruh, what are you doing? You're sh- it's one thing to taunt a guy. It's one thing for Tyree Kill to throw out the peace sign to a, a defender who's 10 yards behind him. It's another thing to just shove the dude in the ground. That's just unnecessary roughness. And then... As if that wasn't bad enough, the Ravens get down inside the 10. Lamar throws a perfect pass to Zay Flowers, a little crossing powder. And I think it was Sneed who made the beautiful punch, Charles Peanut Tillman style, at the goal line. Ravens get, I'm sorry, Chiefs get that. That's seven points gone. So there's three points you messed up with the two 15-yard penalties. Then there's the 10 point, I'm sorry, the seven points that you missed out on because your guy fumbled at the, at the, uh, at the goal line. And would that have occurred had it not been for his unsportsmanlike penalty? So there's the f- third quarter. Fourth quarter, Javen Clowney roughing the passer goes helmet to helmet with Mahomes. What are you doing? Give him a 15 yards. Then you have the Lamar Jackson interception in the end zone. Again, more on Lamar in just a second. 
the Lamar interception in the end zone. What are you doing? Triple coverage. Yes, was likely probably interfered with. Yeah, that's still triple coverage. You don't force that. You got three points in your back pocket. So that right there, that's 13 points in a game that they lost by seven. Then you have the, uh, to, to top it off, the Patrick Queen unnecessary roughness just, just shoving my man Trey Smith. Just like, it's one thing to commit an intentional five-yard penalty. It's another to just try and just shove a defenseless dude. Like, what do you, again, what are you doing? Five 15-yard penalties in the game for Baltimore. Uncomposed, rattled, and the moment seemed a little too big for them. Meanwhile, Kansas City's like the Patriots back in the day, where it's, we're going to slowly, we're going to hit them with the first punch early, go up 7 nothing. We're going to respond when they score, go back up 14-7, and we're just going to kind of slowly grind some clock, these long drives, don't let Lamar Jackson have the football, and wait for them to screw up. Is that not Brady's Patriots to a T? Play it safe. Don't make any mistakes. And then when they make a mistake, pounce. Take advantage. That's what the Chiefs have done. That's why I compare them to Brady's Patriots. This Chiefs team, this 2023 Chiefs team to Brady's Patriots back in the day. Baltimore was trying to make the play. When in reality, they didn't have to. They didn't. And even some of those plays, they weren't even trying to make the play. This is where I said where the pressing starts to get in your head a little bit, where it's not working, you're trying to do too much, and then your emotions get the best of you. Jadavian Clowney multiple times, Roquan Smith, Kyle Van Noy, Zay Flowers. Moment looked a little too big for the Ravens in that regard. And for Lamar Jackson, transitioning to him, y'all know how I feel about Lamar Jackson. I think he is... I still maintain he's one of the three best quarterbacks in the league. I think Mahomes is it's Mahomes is uh, is the distance between Mahomes and the second best quarterback Burrow in my eyes is like the distance between what's a good example Ted Williams and the best uh, hitter of all time. That's what it's that it's that big. And then I think you have Lamar behind Burrow. I think what Lamar did this regular season, and frankly that last playoff game against Houston was marvelous. He's improved in the pocket. He was the best throw outside the pocket, according to Pro Football Focus. We know what he can do with his legs, and his leadership's off the charts, and the Ravens' offense is a tire fire when he's not in the lineup. That said, there comes a point in time where the playoff resume does matter. Kansas City, for as good as Mahomes was, and he was good. He was not great. He was good. He was very good consistently throughout the day. He made a couple great plays. The throw to Valdez Scantling, the first touchdown to Kelsey was a dart. Unbelievable throw. But by and large, not going to mess anything up. It's a great defense. Don't give them momentum. Understand what type of game this was. The defensive battle. Points are going to be hard to come by. And Lamar is, again, trying to make the play, trying to get, get guys back in the game. And again, some of the mistakes the Ravens made had nothing to do with Lamar. The Zay Flowers taunting, the mistakes on defense, today being clowny, Roquan Smith, and, and uh, Kyle Van Noy. But ultimately, I saw multiple times him throw deep balls to Odell or to Zay Flowers or to Bateman, where it's like, man, you had him one-on-one, man-to-man coverage, no safety help, just overshot the guy. Just overshot some of these guys. And it's and a lot of this too is John Harbaugh. That had to be one of the strangest game plans I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to talk more about the Lions later. 
um, and defend Dan Campbell for the reason that I'm criti- for a a similar logic that I'm that I'm criticizing Harbaugh. Dan Campbell stuck to his guns. More on him later. Harbaugh, with a team that was the best rushing team in football, folks. Ravens running backs. This is unreal. In a game that was tight throughout, by the way. It's like the Chiefs like went up big. They had to abandon the run, throw the rest of the game. No, 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 no. Running backs for the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm sorry, for the Baltimore Ravens, had six carries for 23 yards. What are you doing? Now, they obviously used Lamar Jackson in the run game. He had eight carries for 54. In general, five yards a carry. Um, obviously, that's working. Whether it's maybe you get the running game, set up second and short, put Lamar in situations where, okay, we got some momentum, we're feeling good about ourselves, get into a rhythm offensively. You feel like John Harbaugh kind of panicked a little bit. Like, man, we got to make that big play in the passing game. You really don't. You really don't. I mean, it's 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 great. And listen, they score the touchdown the first drive. It's a great drive. But in general, you got to kind of have a feel for the game. This is what Andy Reid does so well. You have got to feel have the feel for the what type of game it's going to be. It's going to be a hard nosed physical defensive battle. Where who knows? Maybe the team that runs the ball more effectively, whether it's Pacheco in Kansas City, whether it's Gus Edwards in Baltimore and Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, is going to win the football game. So some of that is on John Harbaugh as well, but for Lamar Jackson, listen, some of those plays by Tom Munkin, they were executed well. He just didn't make the plays, didn't make the throws. The reads were off. And if we're going to, and in fairness, I absolutely believe, absolutely uh, believe that Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, and y'all know how I feel about Dak. I think Dak is is the most over-criticized, outside of Lamar, over-criticized player in the league. Absolutely. That said, I'm looking. I'm looking right at it right now. When you look at Lamar's playoff numbers compared to Dax, same guy. Dak has one more playoff loss, but they've only won two games. Uh, Lamar's only been to one more AFC title game than Dak. Dak's passing numbers are exceedingly better than Lamar's. Same dude come playoffs. If we're gonna rip Dak to shreds. We got to hold that same energy from R. And frankly, let's be real. I got to hold that same energy from R. If I'm going to criticize Allen for losing to Mahomes and the Chiefs, I'm going to criticize Lamar. Now, I give more energy to the Allen thing because there's this odd thing. Allen's on Mahomes' level. level. Folks, nobody is on Mahomes' level. Nobody was saying that about, that, that about Lamar coming in this game. They were about Allen. Still, both didn't show up when their teams needed them the absolute most. If we're going to give the energy to Allen and to Dak and to anybody else and to Purdy at times when he struggles, at, you know, in, in, when trailing, got to give that to Lamar Jackson. I still think he's unbelievable. I still think the Ravens, uh, he's worth every penny the Ravens paid him. But this one falls on Lamar. This was an issue. All receivers couldn't get open or my receivers were no good. Like in years past when that was a more than valid excuse Defense held Patrick Mahomes to 17 points. Like, that's all you can ask for. Was the coaching and game planning odd? Darn right. It was It was more than odd. It was bad is what it was. But, God, I have a better feel for the game if you're Lamar Jackson. I mean, just missed some simple, simple reads. Missed some guys deep. Got to get better at that. And the one thing I think Lamar will, will need to work on this offseason is throwing against the blitz. Like, we think about Jared Goff as a guy who, oh, man, he's bad against, or not against the blitz, but bad against pressure. Lamar Jackson was bad against that Kansas City pressure yesterday. That's going to have to be something he improves on.
Let's look at the comments here. Let's see. All right. Uh, my man, Philip Chanel. What's up, Philip? The pressure got to Lamar and the Ravens. They can't step up when the moment is too big. It's too big. The Chiefs didn't even play great, and the most talented team can't beat them. That is scary for the rest of the league. What is even more scary, Philip? The Chiefs will absolutely be better offensively next year, and will they be as good defensively? Usually teams that are great defensively tend to take a step back. Like the Legion of Boom in 2013 wasn't as good in 2014, but it was still really good. Why are the Chiefs still going to be really good? Because they're going to pay Chris Jones, keep him, and everybody else is on. Well, Sneed's a free agent too. They'll need to keep Sneed. He's an amazing corner. Everybody else is on the cheap. Nick Bolton, uh, some of those pass rushers, Karloftis, Ogunjobi, who unfortunately tore his ACL in this game, which sucks. He's not going to be able to play in the Super Bowl, but he's in fact, everybody's going to be the cheap. So, like, that's the thing for Kansas City. The defense is going to be just as good next year, and the offense is going to be better. Because, listen, Brett Veach, the great GM for the Chiefs, and Reed Mahomes is going to be like, yeah, we got we to gotta make some improvements. Okay, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, with all due respect, he made that great catch and redeemed himself from the Eagles game. Uh, you know, you, you got to be able to upgrade, especially the number two receiver. Obviously, Rasheed Rice feels like he's kind of the future. He can potentially be your number one as time goes on. Uh, I assume Kelsey probably comes back. There's been some rumblings of retirement. but Kansas City will be better offensively next year. So if you're going to get them, better get them now. And San Francisco's the last team with an opportunity to, to do so. But yes, the moment got too big for the Ravens. Body language was antsy. It was kind of Kansas City, despite being the road team, despite being the less healthy team, was cool composed. Why? Because they've been here. They've done that. They can flip a switch because that's what dynasties do in the playoffs if they're struggling in the regular season. And they have the best coach in football the best quarterback in football, the best tight end, not just in football, but all time, and an awesome defense. What a surprise. They're a win away from another title. I don't think this needs to be an offseason of panic for Baltimore. They did, after all, go 13-4, and have the MVP of the league, and come within a few mistakes here or there, potentially getting to the Super Bowl. No, no crazy sweeping changes, but uh, Lamar will definitely have to improve on some of his weaknesses. No question about that. To the NFC Championship game. That was a good one. That was fun. So I picked the, the Niners coming in, and that broke my heart as a guy who took the Lions coming into the season to get to the NFC title game. I predicted before the year. That's one of my greatest predictions in the history of this show. I will I'll remember that for the rest of my life. Okay, that was, that was, that was great. Uh, I've had some bad takes. Broncos getting to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl last year. It's my worst takes, if not my worst take ever. At Lions' sake, pretty good. So it broke my heart to have to take San Francisco, but I'm like, you know what? Conditions weather-wise are good. They're at home. Debo's going to play. Again, to a far lesser degree than Kansas City, but Detroit, this is their first Rodeo Niners. This is their fourth NFC title game in the last five seasons. They they, they know how this dance works. Um, I'll start with San Francisco transition to Detroit. So the first half was a disaster. I mean, it's awful, where Detroit is running up and down on San Francisco, had well over 100 rushing yards. I think it was like 100... 50-ish rush yards in the first half is terrible. And then you consider, you consider what the what the 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 the, the Niners were doing offensively. One drive of a touchdown, you know, able to put together a drive. McCaffrey was so so. Purdy was kind of rattled. It looks like again playing from behind. I'm like, ah, here he goes playing from behind. He's not the same guy. Will that narrative we can dispel, get rid of, and say goodbye, never see you again? That we can, we can, we can get rid of that now. 
is the Brock Purdy can't play well from behind narrative, which is one I was a subscriber to as a Purdy guy. What do I call him? Sturdy Brock Purdy. I've been a believer in him since day one. But when that three-game losing streak happened, I'm like, I don't know if he can play from behind. You know, I don't know if he can play not on script, not without the help the help of a run game. I don't know if he's quite the same guy. Down 17 at the half. Can we see Brock Purdy's numbers, please? Thank you very much. 13 of 16, completed 81% of his throws. One touchdown, no picks. Had 174 pass yards, 49 rush yards. A passer rating of 132.8. This is in the second half, folks. Trailing after, you know, trailing by 17. And every single drive they scored, excluding kneel downs. Every single drive. They got field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. Took a knee. So we can put that to bed now. Brock Purdy can't play from behind. Brock Purdy can't this. And the thing that I've said about Purdy all year long, and since he took over for Jimmy Garoppolo uh, at the end of last season, toward the end of last year's regular season, is I, I've always said from the jump, that, that, that guy's better than Jimmy. He, he is. Jimmy was a quintessential game manager. Kyle Shanahan called the games very safe. Jimmy, don't mess it up. I mean, I'll never forget all those playoff games. Won. They, they beat the Packers in 2019 when Jimmy threw a grand total of eight passes. Uh, they won a game against the Packers two years later where the Niners scored six offensive points, two field goals, and the, the, the special teams outscored them by getting a block punt touchdown, and Jimmy was bad in that game. Uh, Jimmy's had multiple blown fourth quarter leads in the Super Bowl in 2019, the AFC Championship game, uh, sorry, NFC Championship game in 2021. Meanwhile, Purdy comes in, Shanahan lets him sling it outside of the numbers, and Purdy brings an element, as you saw there. I'll put the stat up one more time. Look at that key one right there in the middle, 49 rush yards. Jimmy couldn't do that. How many plays in this game, third down, is Purdy making a play with his legs? Not necessarily just running. Like the play, it, listen, hindsight's 2020. Don't know if it was the greatest decision ever, but the throw where he's rolling to his left, throws across his body, again, kind of goes into the Josh Allen reckless camp. Jennings made a great catch. My man, Jawan Jennings out of Tennessee, go balls. But he's able to do those things Jimmy can't. If Jimmy tries that, Jimmy's going to throw it probably five feet over his head. It's going to go for a pick six. Purdy uses legs. Purdy was accurate. Purdy threw some straight up dimes to to Ayuk, Debo, Kittle. He could do things Jimmy simply couldn't. That's the thing that I've always pushed back on is for all my skepticism about his ability to play from behind, which is gone now, absolutely gone. He comes back from against Green Bay in adverse situations. No Debo Samuel. Weather isn't perfect. And we know for a smaller guy, that does matter. And he goes boom, 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 right down the field. McCaffrey runs it in, you know, from five five yards out to win the game. Yesterday, down 17, money, 13 for 16, no turnovers, touchdown. Couldn't ask for more from Brock Purdy. He was excellent, absolutely excellent. And listen, when you talk about Kyle Shanahan, now sort of the uh, sort of a, another check in the Purdy column is Shanahan. Remember the 0 and 30 when trailing by three or more going in the fourth quarter. He's won his last two, and Purdy's made the throws in order to make that those comebacks happen. So you got to give credit where credit's due. Like that's it's what I say all the time is I can have an opinion. When data and evidence and new information come in, I'm supposed to hold on to the opinion the same way I did when I had or when I didn't have that data and information. I'm supposed to reject it, push it away, ignore it. I can't do that. My question is can Purdy play from behind? 
Both of their playoff wins come when playing from behind, which could serve as a big-time asset for, for the Niners against Kansas City, where if they get down, it's 10-0 Chiefs. Now, coming back on the Chiefs is a little different than coming back on Jordan Love and Jared Goff. But still, they can sit back and say, you know what? They were the team. A lot of those guys on the Niners team, not Purdy, but a lot of those guys, Fred Warner, Bosa, Kittle, Debo, can look back and say, they came back on, came back on us in 2019. We've come back the last two games. Who says we can't get do it again? Our defense can take the ball away. That's San Francisco. And by the way, the thing I love the most about the Super Bowl, and I, I'll go into detail more on this. I, I think Bryce's best 10 of me doing a segment uh, talking about my top 10 Super Bowls of all time. Um, but when you get the best quarterback in football facing the best roster, those tend to be the best Super Bowls. Think about last year, Philly and, and Kansas City. My favorite Super Bowl ever was, was New England and Seattle in, in 2014 when you had the best quarterback, Brady, against the best defense, Seattle. And, and, and that was a fantastic Super Bowl, no question about it. To Detroit side, though, that's what I get want to get into. Um, Devin Nettle stopping by in about eight minutes. For Detroit. I don't like revisionist history. I don't like... When we go in thinking one thing, the same data, it's a little bit of reverse of the Purdy thing, the same data presents itself and we change our opinion. I don't like that. And the whole thing with Dan Campbell coming in is, man, what a great story, Detroit. He comes in, rebuilds a bad culture. Obviously, the GM, Brad Holmes, got to give him credit. He aced the last few drafts, and here we go. They're able to make, make it happen. And Dan Campbell comes in, changes the culture, has them ready, and is Mr. Aggressive. Goes for him, fourth down. And we love that about Dan Campbell. And then when it doesn't work, now he's reckless. Now he's in over his head. Now he doesn't know what he's doing. So time out. You're telling me that in the biggest game for the Detroit Lions since the 1950s, when they last won a road playoff game, you're going to tell me now they're going to change their philosophy? Now Dan Campbell should go to being Mr. Conservative coach? That's what got Brandon Staley fired in L.A. That and he had a bad defense. Dan Campbell's a guy, we talk about the forced down conversions. I've got the stat here where nobody attempted more. For, and I'm sure the stat won't shock anybody that Dan Campbell attempted on fourth down more than any coach in the league 20, uh, 20 times. He converted the second highest percentage, 85%. Went for it 20 times on fourth down. Converted 85% of the time. For the record, that was going to be about a 40-plus field goal. Michael Bagley, about a 70% guy from that range. You know what you're playing in San Francisco. Again, a lot of this is knowing time and place. If that was like the Kansas City-Baltimore game where it's defensive battle, points are going to be hard to come by, you kick the field goal. I get that. But that Niners team, you saw what happened. That tip ball to Brandon Ayuk, all it took was that play, a ball to bounce their way, all of a sudden they're back in it. It could take one play. And so if you're Detroit, you're sitting up there and saying, we got to kind of make something happen. Yes, we're up 14. Yes, a field goal will put us up three scores. But why would we move away from what we're great at? For the record, Ben Johnson, who unfortunately for Detroit is not going to be with Detroit next year, the play was executed to perfection. The protection was good. Goff stepped up in the pocket, clean pocket, delivers a perfect ball to Josh Reynolds, and he dropped it. I'm going to hold Josh Reynolds more responsible than Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell made the right call. Ben Johnson ran the right play. Goff made the right throw. Reynolds couldn't haul it in. Then you have a bad tipped ball go against you. Ayuk makes an incredible play, and that's that. But I'm not going to criticize Dan. I refuse to criticize Dan Campbell. Now, I will say this. 
the fourth down in the fourth quarter, down 27-24. In that situation, you kick the field goal. There's seven minutes left. Niners are going to get a drive. You're going to get a drive. Then late in that last drive where they have all three of their timeouts a minute to go down 10 when they got that backdoor cover. Thank you very much, Detroit. To at the one-yard line, third and goal. Why the heck are you running the ball at the goal line? Now you have to burn a timeout, and now the onside kick is do or die, feast or famine. Now you have no chance to get the ball back, whereas if you throw the ball there, worst case scenario, it's incomplete. You kick a field goal. You can still get it back with all three of your timeouts with about 45 seconds left, and who knows what happens. I'm not going to rip a guy when I've – I shouldn't say I. We, as a collective, should not rip Dan Campbell – when we praise him all season for this very thing and his ability to be successful in this very thing. It's the playoffs. You've got to take risks. Aggressive wins in sports. You know what aggressive looks like for Dan Campbell? Faking a punt inside of your own 50, I'm sorry, inside of your own 30 against the defending champs in week one on ring night. Going for on fourth and two, under two minutes to go tie game against the Chargers back in, I think it was week nine. Why would I deviate from what got me here? Because if I hadn't done that all season, I would not be in this position. I'm going to be true to who I am, true to what I do best. That's what Detroit did. The Reynolds dropped a pass. A couple plays didn't go their way, and they lost to a better team. I don't think it's panic mode for Detroit. Uh, before I get to my guest, Philip Chanel in the comments. If the Niners win the Super Bowl, I will be, I will genuinely be super shocked. Yeah, that would be, listen, uh, the Niners, I, last I saw the line, it was like Niners minus one. Uh, okay, it's gone back. It started at one and a half. It was down to one. Now it's back up to one and a half. Feels like it's going to kind of hover around that line. Uh, Kansas City, crazy enough, can kind of play as we're the underdogs. You know, nobody believes in us, uh, but we'll see. So one individual I know, and I consider him a friend, he is very understandably heartbroken about what happened in Baltimore yesterday. It was a rough, rough day for the Ravens. Uh, I want to hear his perspective because I know you want to hear his perspective. He at the Grid Network is the host of not just the My Thoughts, My Opinion podcast, which is sort of like a general sports show, but a special Ravens podcast, the At the Bank Ravens podcast. And you better bet your bottom dollar. We've gone back and forth toe-to-toe on this whole Steelers-Ravens thing. I want to hear his thoughts on the Baltimore Ravens. Would you please give a warm carving up welcome to... Devin Nettles is joining Carbon Up Live. Devin, man, how you doing? You know, I had to talk myself for going off the ledge, man, because, you know, I was so heartbroken. Can't believe that my offense did not show up yesterday, but I'm here. I'm here to give y'all my opinion, my thoughts about yesterday's debacle. Yeah, listen, man. I I, th- I thought about like like calling you, texting. I'm, I'm like, I'm I'm gonna let it, I'm gonna let him sort of like process it. It also uh, the deeper you go, the higher you climb, the harder the fall hurts. So I'm like, I'm like, ah, that's my guy. I'm, I'm gonna let him. I'm gonna let him have these next 24 hours and 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 try and like just just go through the motions, go through the process of of this game. But as far as nobody else did. <laughs> oh no, I don't. I guarantee you that. It. Listen, I, I'm, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a nice friend. We've gotten to know each other the last year. I like you a lot. I'm gonna be nice to you today. Now in the future, like if the Steelers knock yeah, I won't be as kind. I'm just gonna let you know in the future, you know, if 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 we can get a quarterback and that remains to be seen. But for Baltimore, though, there's a lot of layers for, to that loss. What was the thing? What was the singular thing you were what, that you were most disappointed? In? Was it the defense? Was it Lamar? Was it Harbaugh? What was it? Um, it was almost a mixture of a lot of things because I felt like yesterday was was a lot of pressure. Now, normally throughout the season, pressure 
was was no problem for us. We was able to blow out teams. We beaten teams uh, at least nine of our games, two touchdowns at least, and stuff like that. We was down against the Niners. We was down against the Dolphins. Nobody believed us against the Lions and the Seahawks. None of that. So I was going here high hopes. I said yes. There's no way that I don't care because even you said it on my show on Saturday. Kansas City defense is a little bit scary. I would think you should watch out. But I was like, nah, I don't care about their defense. My defense is the best defense in the left in the playoffs. But at the same time, man, what I seen yesterday, experience matters the most. Like, I don't care about anything else. Travis Kelsey showed me that it doesn't, it does, it's not going to look pretty. It's not going to look like the best routes or anything in that nature. He knows what Patrick Mahomes wanted. He knows what Patrick Mahomes wanted to be at, and he was there every time. There's no way that you can go 12 targets and get 12 receptions. It's like that guy was magnificent yesterday, man. So it, it shows me that um, the experience was really the key part of yesterday's game, man, because we came in there. We was the hot team. We was the – we was the – the, the stronger looking team. We were supposed to have more depth. We were supposed to have everything on outside. But you know one thing, like I always tell my kids, man, you know one thing that scares a bully? There's another bully. Mm. <laughs> that's and that's, yeah. That's what and that's what Kansas City was like. We're not going to be bullied. And they took Baltimore out their game. Where was the Russian attack yesterday? You telling me that Gus Edwards, the guy that ran and got in the end zone 13 times yesterday. You're not gonna run them. You just we just signed Dalvin Cook to the to the 53 man roster. I forgot about that. And we and we all hyping the Ravens say, oh, Dalvin Cook looks good in practice. We didn't see a lick of him yesterday. So it, I, I feel like Kansas City really took us out of our game, uh, physically, mentally, and coaching style. The Kansas City came there with the bully style. They said they threw Justin Tucker helmet out the way. They kicked his balls out the way. They was like, look, yo, this is our city. This is our stadium. We don't care who's here. And Kansas City rolled with that throughout the whole game. So that's how you beat a bully. You have to be a bully. That's it. That's a great point. And and I, I totally forgot about the Dalvin Cook thing that they and I know, listen, he's only been there for a few weeks, but still that's that's still a weapon that you can use. That is we we saw him do what he did the, the all those years in Minnesota. And again, I, I read the stat again. It's hard to believe that uh Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, uh, Hill combined had six carries for 23 yards. Like they just completely kind of abandoned even Lamar only had eight carries total. Like they just sort of abandoned the run game. It was odd. Uh you mentioned Travis Kelsey. I'll put the stat up one more time. I'm at Alfred who creates uh, all the graphics here at the grid. Shout out to Alfred. Uh this is Mahomes to Kelsey this postseason. Mahomes completes 85% of his throws, three touchdowns, no turnovers, and has a pass rating of 144. So, you know, that connection, like you mentioned experience. They've been here. They've done that. They, they know how this rodeo works. And it felt like, uh, Devin, that once Baltimore punted, Kansas City went right down the field with ease, uh, a lot of short completions. Then he hit the, 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 the bond to Kelsey, where once it was 7-0, I know that they responded after that, but once Kansas City counterpunched once again, it was like, okay, this is going to be this can be a little different. This isn't Miami. This isn't Houston, who's an experience. Like, like you said, experience being there and, and doing that many times does matter. Lamar Jackson, um, you and I both are massive Lamar fans. I think he's one of the three best quarterbacks in, in all football and will be a deserved MVP uh, in, in about a week and a half. But listen, he's now two and four in the playoffs. He's got a completion percentage like in the mid 50s. Uh, pass yards, even total yards per game isn't great. 
you're taking Lamar. Where, like, what, where, where are you at, Lamar Jackson, today after that performance yesterday? Um, I just think that Lamar really put a lot of pressure on himself um, by trying to understand. Like, yes, you're getting older. Super Bowls don't come easy. I get all that, but when you forget who you are and what got you here, and then you know this is this not all on Lamar. This is also Todd Munkin. This is also John Harbaugh. That you we didn't get here by Lamar throwing 35 times a game. We all sat here and scratched our heads that it was one game that Lamar only threw 17 times and only had 150 something yards. And we was like, dang, that's MVP stats. Yeah. But it was like, hey, it got us a win. He showed that he was a better player on the field and all that. So I just think that when you try to put so much pressure on the guy, you try to make him something that 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 wasn't us we didn't throw 35 times a game every game it was only certain games that we had to throw about 30 something times a game so when you automatically like i said at the beginning abandon a run and try to force another identity you forget who you are so i'm not too mad on lamar because like i said he he still went out there and tried to produce he was still able to out there and make some plays he was able to find zay flowers even through all the chaos he was able to – It was the offense was trying to turn, but it just seemed like you forgot our identity. Of course you're not going to be able to be so successful when the identity is being broken, when somebody has stolen it and says, no. It looks like that Kansas City was doing uh, years ago, calling out Greg Roman's plays. They was mm-hmm. knowing what was going on. They was like, hey, they are no longer running no more. So they, they want to sit back and pass. And, and like I had said on the bank, that Janarius Lee and, and McDuffie, these are not just some rinky-dink corners. These guys might not have the big interception uh, um, turnover ratio, but these guys are able to stick to the receivers and stay close and not let the big plays happen to them. So I, I, I'm not fully mad at Lamar. You know, I'm not mad at none of the guys. It was just that frustration of, like, how can you try to run something that wasn't us? And it's, again, I, I talked about, like, a lot of it felt like like pressing, trying to, you know, Kansas City, again, a lot of like those Brady Patriot teams, like, just methodically, they're waiting for you to screw up. And, you know, I, again, I, I just, the, the count of the, the miscues, like, obviously, pregame, you mentioned the Justin Tucker thing. Like, uh, th- that's that's not the bear that you want to poke is Mahomes and Kelsey, given what, what, uh, what they've done before. But even second quarter on. Uh, I, I, I wrote down Lamar strip sack, unsportsmanlike penalty by Van Noy, roughing the pass. Two, you had two roughing the passers on Clowney. The Zay Flowers taunt, followed by the Zay Flowers fumble. You had a Lamar interception, triple coverage. You had the Patrick uh, was or was it Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith shoving Trey Smith toward the end of the game, yeah. un- unnecessary roughness. Uh, it, it, it was Ro- again that was Roquan. Roquan, yeah, okay, it's Roquan, and it was a. Again, it was a lot of once they they were pressing and it wasn't working. It felt like it kind of got in their heads after a while, and it just sort of d- deteriorated from there. Meanwhile, can I mean Kansas City didn't score in the second half. Like they, it's not like they were putting together these you know crazy drives. Like the, the opportunities, I counted thirteen points where those the Kansas City Chiefs' last points in that first half came on a drive where there was two 15 yard penalties. So mm-hmm. if they don't get those, there's three points. Then you have the Zay Flowers fumble at the goal line. There's seven. The Lamar pick and triple coverage, there's three. Uh, and so, like, it's just these little, little tiny details that if you correct, maybe you're in the Super Bowl today. And it's I, – I get why, why it'd be frustrating. I've got a comment here by my man Phillip. He says, I think John Harbaugh's a great coach, but Reed show why, showed why he's a top five coach ever. Every coach that plays the Chiefs are outmatched, period. Yeah, it's – it's again, it feels like a lot of those those Brady Belichick teams back in the day. Um if 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 you if you wouldn't mind, I would like to also shift to the to, to the Lions and Niners game. 
Uh, you're, you're, yeah, yeah. Just get get your mind off the the Ravens. There was another football game trying. Do that. <laughs> it never happened. It never happened, Devin. It never happened. Just, just forget about it. So I forgot uh, what we were talking about. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a short memory. But with San Francisco, with Brock Purdy, um, my my concern coming in is, man, can he play from behind? He had that three game losing streak where he wasn't very good. Passer rating was like in the sixties when trailing. It's just not 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 good stuff. But last two games was kind of a rough rough out against Green Bay, but was money on that last drive. Yesterday, first half was a disaster. Hit through the bad interception. His arm was hit. And second half, again, we could show you his numbers one more time. His second half completed 81%, touchdown, 174 yards, passing, 49 rushing, and a pass rating of 132, and they scored every drive uh, in the second half. Your reaction to San Francisco's comeback, and in particular Brock Purdy, what he's, he was able to do in the final 30 minutes? Uh, San Francisco was lucky. <laughs> oh, okay. In my opinion, I think San Francisco was lucky. Detroit let the pet, let they, uh, pedal go. They let, the ga- they let, uh, let off the gas. There's no way that you are up 17. I am no longer throwing the ball. I don't care what you call it. I don't care if you know. It's all about showing the clock up now. Because if you could just, the more clock that you shoot, because in the beginning, they couldn't stop David Montgomery for nothing. No. David Montgomery was popping off seven, five, seven, two, three, four, seven, five. It was like, oh, like, oh that's consistent. That's first downs. That's the clock moving. And you occasionally had uh, Amara St. Brown coming up with these miraculous third downs. So if that was working and you keep running, shoot the clock up. There's no way there's San Francisco. We won't be talking about can Brock Purdy lead his team back from a comeback. Because, no, you chewed the clock up. So I felt like the Lions had really gave gave up after the halftime. Because once that momentum has swung with that Brandon IU catch, that should have been an interception. That was the momentum that San Francisco needed. They, all they needed was just to get inside the red zone, smell some blood, and now here comes D-ball Christian McCaffrey now. Like, and then after a while, you can see that the Detroit Lions was getting tired of tackling Christian McCaffrey because now they were starting to get a lot of missed tackles. So I felt like if the Lions would have just chewed the clock up a little bit more to get their defense a little bit more rest because we already seen that Reynolds – he had butterfingers yesterday. Yeah, he did. He, he dropped two big, big time catches that really couldn't put Detroit over the hump. So I, I just think that you know, I heard uh, in the beginning of the show you were saying that people was trying to criticize Dan Campbell. Like you said, Dan Campbell is the reason why Detroit got here. Dan Campbell changed that culture in Detroit. We've been saying that Detroit was only one piece away for the last three years, and now yeah. they finally reached that potential. You know what I mean? And then it's not saying that the NFC, that he won't get back next year because, as we all know, the NFC is always wide open. It's always like, hmm, we we can't. Last year we, we said that Philly was going to repeat, but he couldn't even sniff a repeat. You know? Yeah. And now we're going to probably be saying the same thing about the 49ers because I'm pretty sure the 49ers are going to be losing some key pieces once this free agency come up. So, um. I'm hoping that the 49ers win. I ain't going to lie. I need them to go ahead and beat Kansas City. But once again, it's going to be coming down to experience. And Brock Purdy going to have to show some some, some maturity in this Super Bowl game. No, I mean, listen, Mr. Irrelevant to go and get the best quarterback in the league in, in, in the Super Bowl. Life comes at you fast. But, you know, he, he's, he's obviously he, – he's shown, like, listen, that when he was hit with adversity, he was able to respond. And and let's see, I've got a comment here by uh, by Philip Grady. I'll get to your comments later because he makes some interesting points. Uh, the Lions lost this game. The Niners didn't win. Uh, yes, but also in this – I've never been a fan of the 
this team lost this team. Well, I think it's a combination of the two. It's, it, it's kind of a situation where, you know, again, Dan Campbell didn't deviate for like, if he was like b- turned into Brandon Staley, where he started playing conservative, didn't want to take big risk. It's like, man, what are you doing? Like, wh- where's this guy been, uh, you know, the, the previous uh, games this season. And, you know, like, listen, I feel like he's always been aggressive, but that first, I don't know if you remember that fake punt he ran against the Chiefs back in week one. Uh, it was like, I was like, whoa, like, okay, this guy's really, this guy's really going for it. And listen, you also understanding, like, if this was like the Chiefs-Ravens game, where points are hard to come by, you got to settle for the three. But mm-hmm. if it's a situation where that team, can, you mentioned the IU play, they can get going like that, every single point you can get is going to be is going to be critical or every you know every long drive you can get and like you you mentioned their ability to run the football i think they have like 130 40 some yards rushing in the first half alone and they just kind of abandoned it in the second half to a certain degree and and, and sort of rely on the pass game and they feel like they the Jameer Gibbs fumble as well was huge that helped the Niners tie the game like it was yeah. they did beat themselves like you it was sort of a repeat of the Ra- the Ravens Chiefs game where a team's been there and done that and a team it's kind of their first rodeo and like again the good news for Detroit is Listen, San Francisco's the big dog in the NFC. That goes without saying, and we'll see what happens this offseason. But Philly, eh, Sirianni, there's some questions there. Dallas is Dallas. Uh, Green Bay's up and coming, but, you know, still some, it's still a very young football team. Like, Detroit, there's no reason Detroit can't get back here next year, and we'll see if they're able to, to learn from their mistakes. But uh, definitely in trouble. Hi, and Kellen Moore is that offensive coordinator. Lord. <laughs> another conversation, another time. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good My Thoughts, My Opinion segment right there. That is... Ugh, bro, listen. I, I like that they hired Fangio, but but Kellen Moore now is calling plays, and he's he almost messed up Dak and Herbert's career. Like, man, what are you doing? But uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. This transitions me to to sort of my last question for you. Grady says, uh, if I can pull this up here, uh, Grady says, I think this is the best Super Bowl matchup we could have asked for. I agree. You got the best quarterback against the best roster. I, I, I think you guys, honestly, honest to God, had the best team overall. But in terms of just roster, you're playing on Madden. The Niners are going to have your your best team. Um. Keys to the game, in your opinion, and you're more than free to give a prediction. I always, when I have guests on during Super Bowl week, I like to kind of chart their predictions, who they've got. Uh, keys to the game for you and who wins? Um, The keys for the for both, I'm going to give you both teams. For, okay. the, for, uh, for the 49ers, no mistakes. You can't have no mistakes. <laughs> we, we just see that how the Chiefs can capitalize off of mistakes and um your own penalties. So, no mistakes. Uh, they also going to have to play – Solid defense. They're going to have to find a matchup that's going to have to suit Kelsey a little bit better. We all thought that Kyle Hamilton matchup, because of his size and his his stature, the way he brings to the game, was going to be a different matchup. So um, 49ers are going to have to find a matchup, because I don't think Greenlaw Warner is going to be able to contain Kelsey. Um, for the 40, uh, for the Chiefs, um, experience. Y'all going to have to just rely on that experience. It's like that word is going to keep flying throughout – this entire Super Bowl thing for them sure. is like experience because they've been here, they've done that, they know what it takes, they know what it not takes. So, and they pretty much are going to have to uh, uh, force Brock Purdy into some um, uncomfortable predictions. If you can get Brock Purdy to roll in out like what the Ravens had did to him uh, early in the, uh, towards the end of the season to make him uh, late on his reactions on his throws. I think the Chiefs can really capitalize off of that because sometimes Brock Purdy do uh, get to his targets a little bit slow. So if the Chiefs can capitalize off of that, I think that they can really pull it out. So it's going to be tough. I want the 49ers to win, um, but I feel like the Chiefs are going to get it done because of their um, culture, what they have. 
Yeah. Andy Reid, what Andy Reid brings to to what Kansas City has, he brings out the best in his guys. So I'm gonna go with Kansas City. I hate to say it. Um, it's not gonna be. It's not gonna be a large score. I'm gonna give it uh 24-17. It's gonna come down to the last possession. 24-17. I'm, again, I'm gonna tally this over the coming weeks to see. I always like to see where my guests lean on. So 24-17 Chiefs. That's what you got. Uh, yeah, that feels like a, an appropriate score. Both teams have a great defense. Fred Warner, to your point about Kelsey, I feel like it's going to be the, the, the biggest impact player of the game because not only do I believe he's the best linebacker, but part of the reason of that is he's such a great instinctual guy. He's great in coverage. Uh, they're going to have to put together some – Steve Wilkes is going to have to put together some kind of game plan. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you where you give Andy Reid – you give Andy Reid an extra week of preparation. Like that's just – as good as Shanahan is, that's – that is that 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 the borders in unfair territory and and obviously like you said Kansas City's been there and they've done that but um, Mister uh, what would he call Mister Runner Up on the eight o'clock spot uh, uh, Devin I, I don't know it's I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I didn't drop down something now so I don't know if I'm run up anymore uh, you're, you're close you're you're still up there in the standings you're still up there in the standings oh Mister Mister I'm still up there in the standings then that's the new name right there <laughs> <laughs> you you need to come back to maintain that though yeah yeah I'll be back real soon I got some. Got some little things working out on my end. I'll be For back sure. real soon. For sure. Devin Nettles, My Thoughts, My Opinion podcast, and at the bank, kind enough to join us on what has been a tough last 24 hours for him. Devin, best wishes to you, my man, and thanks for coming on. As always, man. Big trust, man. Never forget that. <laughs> oh, man. He did it again. He did it again. See you, Dev. <laughs> All right, my Devin Nettles, at the bank, middle, or, uh, 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 My Thoughts, My Opinion podcast. Shout out to Devin. Great guy. Like, as, about as genuine a dude as, as you can find. Shout out to Devin Nettles. Got a couple of comments here. Uh, and then I'll get, I'll, I'll do your first couple, Grady, and then do the first ones before that. Uh, San Francisco needs to get off to a good start. They've been coming out from behind the last couple of weeks. They're not going to cut it against Kansas City. I think the Chiefs, since the moment and of what's at stake for them, not only for them, but getting Taylor Swift a Super Bowl ring. Yes. Uh, listen, I, not even just Taylor, I think the families, deserve a ring honestly like give the player the ring and then give like a ring like if 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 the wife or girlfriend or whatever or like kids will wear it like or something like that you know the coaches uh, you know i don't know i ain't should do that i ain't should do that i ain't should do that but I, I i'm i'm with you like this is gonna have to be a situation where and something else too you said san francisco needs to get off to a good start that sort of leads i'll go to your comments before that uh where you said, hey, Bryson, I don't know if you caught the first take segments of the one game for your life, Brady or Mahomes. And to be honest, it's the epitome of prisoner in the, of the moment in sports. Love me some Pat Mahomes, but one game for your life, I'm just not taking Mahomes over Brady. Brady is one guy you just can't pass, even for Mahomes. So it's I think it's closer than you think, Grady. I would go with Brady as well, because at least you've seen so many situations where outmatched underdog. But again, you can sort of say the same thing about Patrick where, man, the defense is there, the great tight end, the receivers, we don't tear, we don't trust that much, at least Patrick lately. This is post Tyree kill. And I'll tell you this, Grady. For now, I will still say Brady, but I've said this before as well. There is not a single quarterback that's ever played in the history of the game that I would rather have when trailing than Mahomes. Trailing. Like, his win percentage, I, I don't have the notes for it for the show. I can do it in the future. His win percentage when trailing is, I think it's, like, in the 500 territory. It's something crazy. And they're, like, trailing by double digits is unbelievable. Uh, yeah, he, he's, when trailing, I'm going to go with Mahomes over, like, Brady's win percentage, which, 
there's more of a sample size. Like, so you got there, that context does matter. But I mean, how many double digit comebacks? I mean, <laughs> the game against Houston is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in 2019, where Mahomes and the Chiefs are down 24 nothing with 10 minutes left in the half. And they go into locker, the locker room with the lead. It's it's unlike anything I've ever seen in my life in the playoffs, where you score four touchdowns in a 10-minute stretch. Uh, now some stuff had to go the way, some turnovers, yada, yada, but uh, that was some pretty crazy stuff. Uh, what else? The double-digit comeback against Tennessee. He did it against the Niners in the Super Bowl. Who else did he do it against? 2021, did he do it? I don't think he was down double digits to Buffalo. Uh, he did it against the Eagles. So there you go. Yeah, Mahomes, Mahomes, the king of double-digit comebacks. But uh, Patrick Brown, what's good, fellas? Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you, Patrick. Uh, Phillip says, it's not close. Mahomes is not close to braiding goat status. He has to get seven rings to bring up the conversation. I The reason I agree with you, I'll say this, Phillip, okay? They played twice. Here's, here's the thing that makes the Brady-Mahomes debate, and it will become more of a conversation five years from now. The thing that makes that so fascinating they played each other twice. See, see, LeBron and Jordan never played each other. They never faced in the playoff series in the Eastern Conference where the Cavs beat the Wizards. It, we never saw that. And it's like Brady played, it's kind of like, uh, it, it's a little bit like Mahomes and Allen to a certain degree, right? Where Brady and Mahomes play in the playoffs, Brady got him twice, outplayed him twice. Now, in fairness, the first one, Brady straight up outplayed Mahomes, beat him in overtime the whole bit. The second one, I don't hold against Patrick. Not that I give the credit to Brady, I just don't, take anything away from a Holmes. That offensive line performance was one of the worst I've ever seen in a playoff game in my, in my life. It's horrible. I mean, it's it, Mahomes was running for, I think he ran for how next gen stats tracked how many yards he ran for just running all over the field, trying to either find somebody open or just get out of pressure. Um, the first one I hold against Mahomes when I do the second one, I don't hold the second one against him at all. The first one, Brady outdueled you in your house in Arrowhead. Second one, it's the Super Bowl. It's in Tom's house in Tampa Bay. And Tom has the 15 times better defense against your, I mean, college football level offensive line. I mean, it was it was bad. Um, Mahomes never beat Brady. Uh, Brady is the owner of the other uh, NFL quarterbacks other than Nick Foles and Eli Manning. Don't forget Eli Manning, Philip. Nick Foles. I mean, come on. Brady beats. Gosh, who's the quarterbacks he beat? He beat Russell when Russell was good. Uh, he beat Mahomes in a Super Bowl. He beat MVP that year, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, and the quarterbacks that get him. Are Eli, who always we felt like under listen, we always compared Eli to Peyton, and that just wasn't fair. But Eli always felt like he kind of underachieved outside those two years and a backup Nick Foles. It's just it's it's unbelievable. Thank you, Patrick Brown, for transitioning me, transitioning me beautifully for my next segment. We had a good weekend of sports. Braun and Steph went down to the wire. AFC and NFC title games lived up to the hype. Did they ever? So let's you you mentioned it, Patrick, and that is my last segment. Uh, it's a bit painful because my team did lose, and it sucked. Oh, man, but Lakers-Warriors, Braun, Steph, they never fail to deliver. Lakers beat my Warriors 145-144 in double OT. It is, by the way, just throw this this little side note in. It is my Warriors' second straight one-point loss at home, so it's just like it's like they don't lose. They want to stab you in the heart when they, when they lose these games. But um, LeBron, Steph the rivalry of the 21st century. Uh, LeBron James, as the oldest player in basketball, he is 39 years of age, and he drops 36, 20, and 12 
on 14 of 25 from the field, two of four from three-point range, and playing 48 minutes. Steph Curry on the other side was nothing short of insane. 46 points, 17 of 35 from the field, 9 of 21 from three-point range, uh, tied his season high for three points made, tied or broke his, his, his season high in terms of points, hit the go-ahead shot in overtime to put him up, and then LeBron drew the foul, hit the two clutch free throws. I was told LeBron couldn't make clutch free throws. Anyways, um, both guys were nothing short of spectacular. And again, Magic Bird, I think, is never going to be surpassed in terms of player rivalries, and the reason I say that is because that rivalry literally saved the NBA. The NBA Finals were on tape delay in the 70s. The NBA, nobody cared about the league. Here comes Magic, here comes Bird, Lakers, Celtics, coast to coast. That saved the league. So I don't know if that rivalry will ever be touched. But I'm going to put Steph LeBron over, over Wilt and over Russell. Like these two, what they are doing at this, I've talked about before, what LeBron's doing in year 21 is just freakish. The downside of it, though, is it's actually overshadowing what KD and Steph are doing. Folks, KD's in year 17, averaging 30 a game. Steph's in year 15, averaging, what, 26-27 a game, and is still, by a mile, the best three-point shooter in basketball. By a mile. It's not even close. And can still be, doesn't matter if it's LeBron, if it's Jokic, if it's Giannis. Steph is not the best player in the league. He can be on a night-to-night basis still. And year 15. But because LeBron, year 21, is just... What he's, I mean, what he's doing, I, I said the other night on my Instagram stories that what LeBron is doing at this advanced age and stage of his career in year 21, I cannot emphasize that enough in year 21, defies logic, reason, science. It, it, it does not make sense what LeBron is doing. Yes, he takes insane care of his body. And you know what? And then I'll get into the crux of my argument. You know what was crazy about LeBron? He played 48 minutes. Was arguably the best player on the floor, 36, 20, and 12. Was interviewed by Lisa Salters of ABC after the game. The first question she asks, are you tired? And his response was, nah. As God is my witness. And I tweeted this during the game too, so you can go back and look. I'm watching this game. At one point, my sister comes in, watches the two overtimes with me. I'm watching this game. And I'm like, he doesn't look tired. He, he, like, literally, Steph is dying out there. Guys, Kerr had to rest Clay to start the second overtime. Guys are dead tired. And LeBron is still going full speed ahead. It is insane what this guy does. We can, oh, listen, if y'all want to do, if, if we wanted to go debates when he's done, I, I said earlier, about a month ago, when LeBron had a great performance, like, we'll do the GOAT debate when he's done. I mean, good Lord what this guy is doing. It, it's... Brady is the only comparison. Brady is the only comparison. Like Brady, I remember the last year of Brady, second to last year of Brady's career. In my mind, he should have won MVP over Aaron Rodgers. He came in second. That's the only parallel of this. Uh, it is mind-boggling what this guy's doing. So LeBron, Steph delivered. They were both nothing short of spectacular. By the way, on mediocre basketball teams. Well, the Lakers are mediocre. The Warriors are just below our, well, I guess that's mediocre. Two mediocre teams with two all-time, all-time, all-time greats who enjoy them now because uh, I don't think we're going to see anything like either of them. That game was a horrible look for a superstar. Wasn't LeBron, wasn't Steph, wasn't even Anthony Davis, who, by the way, props AD. Let's not forget the fact AD went out. You know, I used to make the joke, AD stands for always down, not AD. AD went down with the groin injury, came back and played great. One AD. 
wasn't Clay, who used to be a superstar. wasn't Draymond, who used to be a star. None of that. That game was a horrendous look for Joel Embiid. I don't know if you saw, ABC billed this week, ABC ESPN billed this past week as Rivals Week in the NBA. A lot of rivalry games, a lot of uh, you know teams or players who usually go back and forth. Their first game, they had Heat Knicks, who have an extended history. The second game, the last game they put uh, Lakers Warriors. The Lakers Warriors really don't have that much of a rivalry historically. The Lakers tend to be you know, tend to kind of own my Warriors. I said that as a Warriors fan, but LeBron Steph is the rivalry of the last decade, player wise. And the middle game, sandwiched in between, could be a potential Finals preview. Who knows? Between the best big Jokic and a guy some argue the best big is in Embiid. The last three league MVPs. Jokic the last two and Bede won last year. And Jokic showed up. And not on a back-to-back. Embiid, 15 minutes before tip-off, took the game off. He sat. And for the record, props to his teammates. They pushed Denver. Denver was fully healthy, ready to go, and the, the Sixers took him to the wire. Tyrese Maxey, all those guys. Bede hasn't played in Denver since 2019. Is that not kind of a a bad look, especially for the MVP voting, you know, most valuable player? Is that not a bad look for a guy who is um what how how old is Joel Embiid? He is 29 years of age. Not showing up for the biggest game that could boost his MVP campaign against Jokic, who shows up himself and plays great. And then in the last game, you got old 39-year-old LeBron showing up and bawling his tail off. And then 36-year-old Steph, who, despite having virtually nothing around him, playing unbelievable, pouring his heart and soul into that basketball game in a mid-January Saturday night game in San Francisco, California. Is that not kind of a down look for Embiid? Is that not, kind of, is that not something that the voters are going to look back and say, Maybe not the LeBron uh, uh, Steph aspect of it, but uh, Jokic is ready to go. Jokic is always ready to go. Jokic is always healthy. Jokic showed last year he can be dependable in the playoffs. Joel Embiid has never been to a conference finals and has lost three game sevens in the second round. At some point, it's not the coach. At some point, it's not the enigmatic co-star. At some point, it's got to fall on Joel. That's why I have serious doubts about him coming into the playoffs and uh, real serious, even more serious doubts about that's your MVP. It'd be like if you had the 70-year-old who still has to get out there and grind and work and has to put food on the table. And he's putting more of an effort in than the 30-year-old in upper management who's kind of mailing it in. Not a great look for the 30-year-old. 70-year-old people kind of admire, feel sorry for in a certain respect, and but also admire like, Man, you know, that person's really going out there and putting the work in. Because that's, I mean, that's what we, I mean, it's the United States of America. That's what we pride ourselves on. Work hard, build something for yourself. Don't know. Thought that wasn't a great look for Embiid. You know, two old superstars showing up, showing out, and pouring their heart and soul into that basketball game. And Embiid, this wasn't Portland. This wasn't, you know, Detroit. 
This wasn't I mean, even San Antonio would have been questionable because it's Wimby, but even some of the worst teams in basketball. He decided to sit out, tap out 15 minutes. The Sixers at least announced 15 minutes beforehand that uh, just so happens in the big midday game on ABC on Saturday, you're not going to play Jokic. I don't know. Found that kind of kind of weak. Got some comments here. Uh, yes. So, Philip, who's a Lakers fan, by the way, that Warriors-Lakers game was the game of the year so far. This is one of the best rivalries ever, LeBron versus Steph. That is a thousand percent true. Listen, I believe that. We can do the GOAT debate another day, but I believe that to be the best player ever, LeBron, and the sixth best player ever, Steph. Like, like that's We can do the debates another day, but those are two game changers. I still, I and I tweeted last night, those are still the two faces of the league. With respect to Giannis, Jokic, those are still the two faces of the NBA. And they showed you why. And I, I love that moment. Steph was livid, man. Steph, it, Steph was, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the jer- jersey tear. Trust me, I'm a Warriors fan. It, it hurt to watch. But when LeBron and Steph are dapping up at, at center court when the game's over, and I forget which one it was, LeBron or Steph, that said how, I think Steph said, how does it keep getting better? Or maybe LeBron said that. And you heard LeBron tell Lisa Salters, and he repeated it in the in the postgame press or later on in the locker room where he's like, Steph keeps me young. Like, we're still the two old heads out here torching these guys and having the whole world watching. And beat sat out against Jokic. I don't know. Wasn't great. Uh, let's see. Grady. My thing is we saw him play in the postseason. Maybe it changes my mind the one game. Oh, you're talking about Mahomes. You're talking about Mahomes. I, I got you. I got you. Uh, I, I feel like they're great. You make a compelling case. Patrick, what these guys are doing at their respective ages, we won't see nothing like this ever again. Game recognized game. The mutual respect between both are well-deserved and very apparent too uh, because, you, listen, both guys go on to praise, to praise each other you know, effusively. And I have said so many times, I've said so many times, if you put a prime LeBron James with a prime Steph Curry, that'd be the most unstoppable duo of all time. That includes Shaq Kobe. Because you have the greatest shooter ever, and Le- LeBron loves shooters. You put him with the greatest shooter ever. LeBron essentially runs point. LeBron runs the offense. Steph's run off screeds. Some lobs LeBron. I mean, oh my God. Like, LeBron and D-Wade weren't even that good of a basketball fit, and they won two championships. You put prime LeBron, prime Steph together. Oh my. I still think they'd be st- tough to stop now if you put them together. It's incredible. Grady, do you think Murray, DeJounte Murray from the Hawks, Pans trading Clay and a first rounder could turn this, the team around the season. I know they won't do that. Uh, listen, listen, if that was all I had to give up was Clay and a first rounder, I'd do it in a second, Grady. Uh, DeJounte's having a really good season and he'd be a great guy. Like, listen, when all the defensive attention is going towards Steph, you get the ball to DeJounte, he can get you a bucket. And the Warriors really don't have that. Kaminga can be still young. DeJounte's been around for a while. And so I would do that. And I, I love Clay. I've been a Clay guy for a long time, but it, it's it's he's not the, he's not the same guy anymore. He's just not. The injuries it sucks, but the injuries sapped it, what what was left of his prime. They did, and and by, by the way, to Clay's credit, to Clay's credit, uh, he hit the shot in overtime that sent it to double overtime. Like it was and it was a beautifully designed play by Steve Kerr. Some an off ball screen. It was perfect. Clay got the ball, punt fake, went up, made the three, sent it to a double overtime to a second overtime. Uh, he was excellent in that regard. So, no, Clay, and Clay got off to a rough start. And props to him, and he's played better lately, but not close to the same guy anymore. And and I've said that it's going to be – I have gone so far as to say I think the dynasty's over if they don't make a trade by February 8th, with this, which is the trade deadline. Like, my, my mindset is 
Steph Curry's in his prime, then you're still alive. If Kevin Durant's in his prime, LeBron, Jokic, Giannis, if the, Luka, those guys in your prime, okay, you got a shot. You got a shot. You, you're going to have a puncher's chance. Nobody's going to favor you, but you're going to have a puncher's chance. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't care how many close games they've lost. This Warriors team can't, can't compete in the playoffs. They can't. We're the 12 seed, right? 12 seed? I'm almost certain of it. I think so. Let me let me double check. I know we're like three games out of the play-in tournament. Yeah, 12 seed behind Houston. It's not working. Grady, what if you put LeBron and Steph together now? Do they win it all? Yes. Yes, they would, Grady. I'm telling you right now. If you put, if you put let's say Steph on the Lakers. See, the Lakers would have to give up, a, obviously, either way, the, uh, both teams would have to give up a haul. More so for Steph because he has more years left on his deal. Uh, LeBron's going to be a free agent, I believe, this summer. So you put Steph on the Lakers. So you have Steph, LeBron. Oh, boy. I Oh, Lord. Please, God, don't let that happen. I hate the Lakers. I cannot watch that. And if Steph, listen, if Steph were to leave, I will support whoever he goes to. I'll be a fan of that team as long as Steph's there, but I'll still maintain my Warriors fandom. Uh, I think they, I think they would, Grady. I really do. I, 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 the postseason experience, the clutch factor, the, I, I just think that would be unstoppable. Uh, let me not go to stop. It'd be unstoppable if they were in their prime. Uh, I think Steph's still in his prime. LeBron's out of his, although you can't tell. But yeah, I, they worst case, Grady. They're the second worst, best team in the West. Like we all, I think we all generally agree, Denver's. It's Denver's West, and everybody's competing to try and, and knock them off in the conference finals. I don't believe in Minnesota. I love I, I like OKC a lot. Love Shea. Don't know if they're ready for it yet. Come on, are we gonna are we gonna trust the Clippers again? Like it's it's Harden, it's it's Kawhi, it's now Kawhi's got a great playoff history, but he can't stay healthy. Westbrook's inefficient. It, it's not gonna work. Who else that West? Uh, Sacramento doesn't play defense. That's not gonna work. Um, Lakers have too many limitations in terms of coaching. I'm looking at the Western Conference right now, the, the standings. Who else is uh Phoenix? I they don't have a point guard. Love Kevin uh, Durant, but they don't have a point guard. Pelicans can't trust him. Dallas, it's Luca or bust. Utah's too young. Houston Gold. Like it's yeah, at that point, you start to get to you know pretty thin in terms of options. Um great. <laughs> LeBron and Steph to the Pistons. I know you want to see it deep down. Of course, everybody wants to see that. LeBron and Steph on one of the worst teams in the history of basketball. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, if you put if you put LeBron and Steph in the Pistons before the season, they make the playoffs. They make the playoffs absolutely. I'll tell you right now. I mean, you know, obviously they have more. They have more than what they have five wins this year. The Pist- I think the Pistons actually won recently. Five five wins, six wins. My bad, I shorted them. Listen, we we've been ripping the Pistons all season. They broke the record for for most consecutive lose uh, the the worst losing streak of all time. Washington only has two more wins than than Detroit. Okay, you know you enjoying that pool party, Washington. Man, listen, as bad as it's gone in Golden State, it, it could be worse. It, it could be worse if, if Jordan was was still with the Warriors. It could be worse. But didn't think I'd be talking that much Pistons and Wizards, and I'm not comfortable with that. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. Shout out to Devin Nettles. You can catch the At The Bank Ravens podcast. I know he's got a lot to say after that game yesterday, as well as the My Thoughts, My Opinion podcast. We're going to have a general sports show, NFL, NBA, the whole bit on the Grid Network. Shout out to Devin. He's got the Chiefs. 24 to 17. We'll have guests on throughout the next week and a half, couple of weeks, get their predictions for the Super Bowl and put ta- kind of tally their scores, see what they've got. And then obviously I'll give my final prediction on Friday's show and I'll, I'll give my Super Bowl MVP as well. But uh, yeah, that's all we got. Uh, be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment. 
and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button down there. Helps the channel grow exponentially. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers to buy Super Bowl 58, which is February the 11th. I believe you can get there if we were able to, to get the message out, get the word around, carving it up live. Uh, again, if you have subscribed, thank you so much. I cannot tell you how much your love, your appreciation, your support of the show means to me, means to all who are associated with the show. It means the world. I cannot even cannot even put into words how much it means to me. So thank you so much. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody you know about it uh, so we can get to that 1,000, trying to help the show grow as much as we can. So appreciate that you appreciate the content. And just as importantly, if you have not subscribed to the Grid Network, or more on that in a second, if you're not subscribed to Carving Up Live, it just takes a couple seconds. If you're on YouTube, hit it. And you're part of the Carving Up family just like that. All right. Also, by, by the way, almost forgot. Be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere that you get your favorite podcast. Fun show today. We got a great Super Bowl. I'll detail this more as the next five shows before the Super Bowl goes on. But anytime you get the best quarterback in the league versus the best roster in the league, that usually ends up being a classic. So I can't wait. It's going to be a fun next week and a half of preparation, a buildup for Chiefs 49ers. It's down to the last two. I'll see y'all on Wednesday. Bryson's best 10, carving up the context. Cannot wait. See y'all then. Stay safe out there. God bless y'all. And peace out. You Swifty haters got to get a life, man. Come on, relax. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on The Grid Network.